Well, good morning, Fellowship Faithful. How are we? If you're in the foyer, go ahead and make your way in. We're going to get started this morning. Welcome to Fellowship Faithful. My name is David. I'm one of the leaders here. And uh, we're going to continue our, our series in the book of John this morning. And I was reminded this past week as I was reading of uh, John chapter 4. And John chapter 4 is this scene, uh, if you've read it, it's, it's the, uh, the woman of Samaria. And it's this scene of Jesus walking to a well in the, in the heat of day into some enemy territory. Um, the Samaritans were believed by the Jewish people to be half-bred, and they were shunned because about 100 years before this, um, they intermarried with the Assyrians. And the Jewish people believed that, that the Samaritans had dirtied their people, that they were unclean now because of these people. And so you have this group of Samaritans who was already considered outcasts, shunned, they weren't a part of the temple worship. They weren't allowed to go to the temple, which in that time was where they dwelt with God. They were cast away. And Jesus goes to this woman. And this woman who would go to the well in the middle of the day because if she went in the morning, she was shunned by her people. So you have a, you have a woman who is an outcast of the outcasts, who has tons of shame, tons of sexual sin and hurt and rejection. Jesus looks at her and he says these words. He, he reminds her, hey, I'm gonna look past your actions and look at your heart. And I'm gonna invite you in to drink water. Not just this water that you're trying to get out of a well, but water that I can offer that doesn't go dry. And you know, I think that that's the same offer for us this morning, for those of us who can relate with her hurt, her pain. He simply invites us to come. And this is what he says. This is John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this morning, that's the invitation, is to come to him, to drink from waters that don't run dry, to have our hearts tethered to his grace this morning. So would you stand with us as we begin our time singing this old hymn, that's a prayer, and let's sing this together. Oh, come thou fount of every blessing, turn my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon out of thy Wandering from 
God who pursues us. From the lowly pit, you hold me up again. As you haven't always been. You haven't always been. You give hope. You haven't always been. You redeem. 
Well, good morning. My name is Aaron Parks, and I get to work with our Fayette kids here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and it's just an honor. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, being here on a Sunday, um, it's just a special thing to remind one another, just even as I was sitting down here, this honestly is one of my favorite songs that our team has written. You have and always will, just being reminded of God's faithfulness. I needed that this morning. I was just sitting over there thinking about how I needed to be reminded of God's faithfulness, how he brings hope. He always has and he always will. He'll do that for us and we need to be reminded of that. That's why we gather. We don't come to just be here for ourselves. We come because this is a gathering of the body of Christ. I truly believe that. And God does something when we gather. And so thanks so much for being here. We worship our God and Father. And today we're gonna dig into some of the words that Jesus said and we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each of our hearts. And may we remind one another that God has and he always will be with us and guide us and bring us hope. So let's remind each other of that as we continue to worship here in a little bit. Got a couple of things I wanna tell you about. One of them is uh, our women's ministry Bible study that's going on this summer. It's called Remember Your Joy, and it's a great time to gather together and study God's word. And so, um, women in here today, if you wanna be a part of that, it goes on uh, this summer. You can find more information um, with that QR code over there. So you can sign up for it. And also, there'll be somebody in the foyer out there that can answer some of the questions that you have if you have questions of that. Uh, now, here's what I would ask. I would ask that you pretend like the deadline was yesterday to sign up for it, okay? Because we really need y'all to sign up really quick so that they can find enough leaders and make sure that it's a great experience for everybody. So just pretend like the deadline was yesterday and then you're like, oh no, I need to sign up today. So be sure and sign up for that. But they start June 7th, so they still got a month. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a great opportunity. So I'd love for y'all to, um, to take part in that. Now you'll notice we've got some families up here and some little ones it's one of my favorite Sundays when we get a chance to have parent-child dedication. And that's another one of the things that I really do love about Fellowship Fayetteville is we value every person that walks in here, regardless of how big they are and how old they are. And so we're excited that we get a chance to honor these families and honor the commitment they've made to follow Jesus. And these families have gathered with their communities and they've committed to raise their kids in what it means to follow Jesus, to model for them what it means to follow Jesus. And there's three things about parent-child dedication that are really important for us to understand. And one is that these kids, they belong to God. God has allowed these parents to be good stewards of these kids, but these kids belong to God. The second thing is that these parents have decided that they are gonna follow Jesus and they're gonna model what it means to follow Jesus to these kids. And the third thing is they're asking for our help as a body of believers, as a church. We have a responsibility. We see all throughout scripture, God give parents and God give the church responsibility of teaching these kids what it means to follow Jesus. So we're gonna pray for them here in a second. Uh, but first, let's, let's meet these families. Here's the first one. So we've got Lainey Ray Vermeer, and she was dedica dedicated back on March 13th and her parents are Matthew and Blair, and this is the verse that they are praying for her. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. All right, we've also got Jensen Scott Culp, and he was dedicated back in December, and his parents are Brent and Erica, and this is the prayer that they're praying for him. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's Deuteronomy 31.6. So these families are here because they want to follow Jesus. And they want their kids to follow Jesus. And they want to be an example. But they also want us to partner with them. And so if you would say, hey, I will pray for them. I will partner with them. I will give them an encouraging word in the foyer when they have their kids in here and they're screaming and they do that walk of embarrassment as they go back out into the foyer. I will give them a kind, encouraging word. I'll be in community with them. If you will do all those things, it's a lot. It's a big responsibility as a church. But if you'll do that, will you say we will? All right, let's pray for them. Jesus, we're so grateful for your love for us and thank you for these kids. Thank you for the way that they have chosen to follow you and teach their kids what it means to follow you. And so I pray for these families that you would be with them, that you would bring hope because you have and you always will. So as they raise these kids, I pray that you would be with them. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one more thing I forgot to mention. I just realized that. Over in Fayette Kids, what we get to do every week is we get to make disciples. We're living out the Great Commission and we're making disciples of toddlers and babies all the way up fifth and sixth grade to FSM. And here's what I would ask for y'all. If you wanna be a part of that, we would love for you to jump in there and to help us make disciples of these kids. I'm not gonna lie, we're not looking for people that can come in there and just fill the spots. That's not what we do. If you really wanna make disciples and make a difference. I've been at Fellowship long enough, it's been a really long time, that I've seen kids that have grown up through Fellowship that are now coming back and making disciples. And I see a lot of y'all wearing your Fayette Kids t-shirts and it's overwhelming to think about the impact that Kim Lee has had, that Greg and Karen McGee have had, that Kathy Vanpool has had on my kids' lives that are 14 and 15 now. And she taught them what it meant to follow Christ when they were two and three years old. So if you wanna be a part of that, there's Gretchen's out in the foyer. She'd love to talk with you and get you involved in making disciples and faith kids. But hey, let's give these families a hand as we continue in worship. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, this morning we're gonna continue in our John series, like I said, and we'll be in John chapter 15 this morning, and if you've read the book of John, this is kind of one of the, the passages that we turn to a lot, and we've heard it read a lot, and this morning, as we're learning about it, what you'll hear is a, a word that's continued over and over again. Some translations have the word abide, some have remain. Uh, Mickey told me he likes the word reside the most, and it makes you ask the question, what does that actually mean? If, if you look at the context of the passage we're in, the disciples, Jesus is about to leave them. And so we learned last week, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How do we know that we're in the presence of the Father? He says, with me. And this week he says, if you abide in me. And he asks us to do this, to bear fruit, but also because it's what's best for us. So as we continue to sing this morning, we're gonna sing a lot of songs with that theme of abiding. And the question I have for you is, what does it look like to abide with the Father this morning? as we sing. Hear these words from John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me, you can do nothing. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be in full. So would you stand with us as we continue to sing this morning? What does it look like for you to abide with the Father this morning? For my waking breath, for my daily breath, I depend on you. I depend on you for the sun to rise, for my sleep at night. I depend on you. I depend on you. If you know it, sing it out with us.
be true May your presence be true that we study this morning. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts, engage our minds, walk these aisles, wake us up, tune us to your word, to the things that we've heard this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and while you are, would you please say thanks to this group, man. What a great job. What a great job of leading us this morning to the throne. I mean, really, didn't they do a great job? Didn't they sound great? Does it get any better than that? It really doesn't. It, we've been so blessed through the years with incredible musicians here at Fellowship. And uh, this group just displayed that. And so thank you, David. Excellent job. And thank you for introducing the passage this morning, because we're going to spend some time there. I bring you greetings from all the other congregations of fellowship this morning, and just wanted to uh, let you know that we opened Fellowship Bentonville a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it is going great. There are so many new families. The first day we had to start the second service 30 minutes late just because of traffic. And people were saying, what's up with this traffic? And I said, it's fellowship. That's what we do around here. And, but so many new faces, so many new families. And through your generosity and the generosity of all the other people of fellowship, we've been able to make room for more people to experience what we've experienced in this place, like what you heard this morning. That's happening all up and down the corridor. And so 
We thank God for that. And I'll let you know that we just finished that building. It's, it's all done, all in place now. And uh, it, it came in cheaper than we, uh, less expensive, less expensive than we thought it was going to be. And uh, we're just about $4 million away from having it all paid off. And, you know, it's our goal to have that done by December, just like we did here. And you guys, you beat the deadline. You paid it off in the fall before we even got to December. And we want to do the same up there. And uh, so just remind you of that. It takes all of us doing a little bit to make a huge difference. I also want to let you know that uh, through our disaster relief, uh, we have that portal still open on our website, but we've been able to uh, get a family out of Ukraine, and uh, we are so excited about that because we were able to identify them. They were trapped, and we got them out of Ukraine and uh, uh, into Canada, and so, yeah, yeah, and continue to play, pray for the people of Ukraine. We've been helping with, with disaster relief efforts. We partnered with three different organizations over there and are still doing so. And then we've also been very involved with the tornado relief in Springdale. Uh, we've been connecting uh, with families and organizations there. We bought everything from beds to refrigerators to whatever else that they need. And so just because you may not hear about it every week doesn't mean it's not going on because we are actively working in these places where there are needs. So uh, every dollar you give is uh, for life change. And so I just wanted to let you know all that. Welcome to May. Did you realize it's May today? It is May today, and welcome to Pollenville. It's everywhere. I cleaned my patio off yesterday, and I looked out there this morning, and it was just all green again, you know? But uh, that's a blessing, isn't it? In these uncertain times, do you ever just feel miserable? You wake up with a sense of dread, of no joy, thinking, where is the world going? What's, what's happening here? Is it ever going to be the same again? I mean, probably not. But in John 15, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he knows that the same will be true for them. Within the next 24 hours, he will be crucified and their world will be turned upside down. And so when he's speaking to them about the vine and the branches, which you've already been introduced to this morning, when he's speaking to them, he's giving them words of like, hey, guys, you're going to need this. He knows what's about to happen. And he knows how they're going to feel over the next few days and beyond. So we need a source so that we don't come, succumb to all that misery and dread and fear that's all around us. We need a life source. We need something to connect to, to give us hope. The best illustration I can think of is a baby in the womb who's attached to the mother with the umbilical cord. That's where that baby gets the nourishment from the mother. And if we aren't attached, like that baby is attached, that, that baby gets that nourishment, and without it, it, it would wither and cease to exist. And, and the same is true for us. If we are not to connected, 
by the Holy Spirit to the Son and the Father, then we will wither spiritually. And we can get so caught up in this busy, busy, hurry world that we live in that we become spiritually bankrupt. This is the last of the I am statements in the book of John, and it's a personal message, and yet it's a warning to us to abide, to remain, to reside, to live in him. In Luke 2 and 52, the record we have of Jesus between the age of 12 and 30 is this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew mentally, physically, so spiritually, and socially. And so those are good things for us to look at. Because that's how we are to grow as well. We are to grow mentally. We are to gain knowledge and then apply that knowledge with wisdom. We are to grow physically. Some of us in different directions, you know. We are to grow spiritually, uh, physically and use our bodies for the glory of God, just like Romans 12.1 tells us. We are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, let's come back to spiritually, but socially. We are to grow socially. We need one another. You are not a rock. You are not an island. You need other people. And let me just say for a moment about live stream. Um, you know, we, we implemented live stream for a particular purpose when we couldn't meet during COVID. And it's a great tool when, when you're ill, when you can't be here, or when you're out of town, if you're on vacation or you're away, you can still stay connected to the series. But for those of us who just want to hold on to our pillow for a little bit longer and have our coffee out on the deck and just watch the service, uh-uh. That's not what it's there for. We still have, we're able to track it. We're, we still have hundreds of families watching our services on live stream. We need you here. We need you here face to face, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. In those moments when you might think that you don't need us, we need you. We need you because when we come together, we find truth, relationships, and accountability. Isn't that right, Gary Harrell? When we are here, we need one another. So we grow socially. In, in, in our small groups ministry, there's nothing better than that for you to grow socially. I know Michael Smith likes that when I throw small groups in anytime. But let's go back to spiritually for a moment. This is the one that often gets neglected. We, we grow mentally, physically, socially, but the spiritual part, it often gets put aside. Why would we ever think that we could neglect the spiritual side of life and be healthy? Why, could, why would we ever think that, that, that we could put that in the corner and say, oh, I'll do it someday. Oh, I'll grow spiritually when I get this in my life straightened out. No. We are to grow spiritually. And I beg of you, please don't neglect the spiritual facet of your life. It's the only thing that you have that's going to last forever. Is your growth in Christ. So in John 15, Jesus is wrapping up these statements because they know, he knows, they're going to need this connection to him. And they're going to need to continue to grow in those areas that we just talked about. 
He will tell the 11 disciples, because Judas is gone at this point, that their reason for existence is to bear fruit. Now remember, this message is not just for them, it's for us. Their reason for existence is to bear fruit. He will tell them that God will prune them to make them even more fruitful. He will stress the importance of staying connected to him, abiding in him. He will warn them of the sad fate of the dead branches, which we're going to get into. He will tell them that apart from him, they can accomplish nothing. You know what nothing is? It's just a big zero with the rim knocked off. It's nothing. Apart from him, they can accomplish nothing. He will implore them to bear fruit in order to experience real and lasting joy. Now, most most people, when they read this passage, they focus in on verses 2 and 6 because they see that and they go, "Ah, I can lose my salvation. But we're going to deal with those. David, you didn't deal with that. You didn't put those up on the screen a minute ago. You just left that for me to deal with. But we're going to talk about that. To do so, though, is to do disservice to the rest of the passage because God's desire for us is for our joy to be complete. And the only way that can happen is if we're living life his way. If we're trying to live life our way, it's always going to come up short. I was so encouraged this morning as I walked by the classroom over here. It was filled to overflowing people wanting to learn how to evangelize better. That's healthy. That's incredible. So keep in mind as we study these passages, it's not not about union. It's about communion. It's, it's not about our relationship, but our fellowship with God. But as we jump into it, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He's not just another vine. He's not any vine. He is the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser, the gardener. If you ever go up to Fellowship Rogers and, and, and you're traveling down Pleasant Grove Road, you come to a a traffic light and there's a street there called Concord. There's a reason it was called Concord. It's because it all used to be grapes all along that street. Up up in Rogers, Rogers was known at one time for its apples and its grapes. And I remember back in 1989 when I moved there, when those grapes would become ripe, you could drive down that street Roll down your window, and the aroma of those grapes would just fill your car. It was really something special. The grapes and the vines, the vineyards ran deep in the heart of Israel's understanding of their relationship with God. The vine was symbolic of Israel. There are illustrations throughout the Old Testament of of the vines in the vineyard. The vine was stamped on their coins during the Maccabean period, during the intertestamental period. Israel was intended to be God's true vine. Chuck Swindoll writes this about that. He said, Israel was to flourish as a living example of how obedience bears fruit of righteousness. Moreover, the Lord promised to bless Israel as the nation's relationship of trust grew stronger. But Israel failed. 
By declaring himself the true vine, Jesus took the place of Israel, claiming to be the authentic, healthy vineyard the nation had failed to become. The vine represented the fruitfulness, and the emphasis of this passage is fruit-bearing. During the second temple period, Josephus described the temple in this way. And I have a picture that a guy in London created uh, that's very descriptive. But you see over there the arched doorway that it would have led to the most holy place. Uh, You see over that arched doorway the vines and the grapes. And Josephus described it in this way. Uh, It's on the screen there. I wish I'd highlighted it for you. But it said it also had golden vines above it from which clusters of grapes hung as tall as a man's height. That was a big building right there. And then he says in another place in Antiquities, he said, but under the crown work was spread out a golden vine with its branches hanging down from a great height. This section from 15 to 17 of John is known as the upper room discourse. I like to call it the farewell discourse. Uh, it's, It's debated whether or not they were still in the upper room because in the last verse of chapter 14, it says, he says, arise, let's go. Now, there's some debate whether it was just a preacher saying, oh, but one more thing, and so he did 15 through 17, or if they actually went to another room, or if they started their journey toward the Kidron Valley. I think that's where they were going, to the Kidron Valley, because that's how he would get to the Garden of Gethsemane. As they went to the Kidron Valley, they would cross the temple courts, and and there was a gate that led down into the valley. But right there at that gate, this temple would have been standing there. And Jesus often used backdrops uh, for his teachings in Israel. And, And I think that could have been a tremendous backdrop. When he had those disciples out there before he went down into the valley, he looked at that and said, I am the true vine. You are the branches. It would have been an incredible sight that it would have burned that into their memory. It would, it would have been a powerful backdrop. Now, in verse 2 is where it gets a little tricky. He, the gardener, the vine dresser, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That's where people get hung up. He cuts off the branch. Is that me? Well, that word, that Greek word is arrow. In some places, it's used as lifts up. It's, it's, it's used 24 times in the book of John. Sometimes it's used as lifts up. Sometimes it's used as cuts off, removed, or takes away. Uh, I believe it is cuts off or takes away. It could be lifts up, though, because they would lift up the branches because if they, if they got down on the ground, the branch would put in tiny roots on the ground and it would form grapes. But those grapes would be inferior. They wouldn't be sweet and they would be harder. And so they would lift them up off the ground. But also cuts off or, or, or removes. And I believe there's a connection here to Judas. And what has just happened? Keep in mind, Judas has just left them. And Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He is in the act of betrayal. Look at John 10, 27 through 29. You covered this with the gentle shepherd. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father of one are one. We at Fellowship believe in the perseverance of the saints. We believe that when you know Christ as your Savior, you're placed in there with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and in God is around that. There is nothing that takes away your salvation. That your salvation in Him, once you have believed in Him, it's secure. So it's not talking about you losing your salvation. But what about the words in me in there? Doesn't that mean salvation? Well, Dr. Mark Bailey and I had a big discussion about that this week because he's teaching up in Rogers, and we've been talking for weeks about this passage. And he says the metaphor of the vine continues. He said it would be understood like this. He cuts off every branch not bearing fruit in me. And that's the adverbial sense of this passage. And it makes more sense as we read about what happened at the Last Supper. Look at John 13, 10 and 11. You know what's happened. Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And who was that? Judas. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. I think he's referring here to someone who was never a believer in the first place. Never a believer in the first place. Because verse 3, he says to those who are still there, Judas is gone, he says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's where the connection comes. It's important for us to stand that because uh, if one attends church, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Uh, If you were baptized as an infant, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. If you're counting on your good works, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. If you believe in Christ like you believe in any other historical figure, just saying, oh yeah, he exists, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In all those other senses, you are not trusting in those things for anything. And Jesus is the one who paid his life, uh, paid the price on the cross for our sins. But we've got to think through this. If there is no fruit in our lives, then we must examine the authenticity of our faith. If there's no fruit, no desire to bear fruit, then we have to examine the authenticity of our faith. Don't rely on anything but placing your trust in Christ as your Savior. If it were good works, how many good works? A hundred? A thousand? A million? You wouldn't know. John says that we can know. 1 John 5, let's put that up there. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know that we have eternal life, and it's coming to faith. And so if you don't know that you know that you know that you know, get together with somebody and drive a stake down. I was meeting with a fellow this past week, and he told me with tears in his eyes about a guy that he's been working with for years, and this guy told him, he said, I just 
am not sure. I've gone to church all my life. I've been a part of it, but I, I just don't know. And he said, we went and got a Bible, and we sat down and prayed together, and he asked Jesus Christ to come into his heart. This guy does a lot of good for a lot of other people who led this other gentleman to Christ. He, he makes a big difference. And so before our conversation ended that morning, I asked him, I said, over the past two years, out of all the things you've done, what has meant the most to you? And man, tears came into his eyes, and he says, leading him to Christ. That's bearing fruit. That's what makes the difference. He goes on. Now he's talking to the 11, the believers, about their lives. He says, remain. The word is minnow. And David described this, abide, reside, become an abider, live in me. I like that. Be connected to me. I, the, 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 the word remain is used by most of the newer translations, but it almost carries with it the idea, like the old charismatics, uh, it says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. The old charismatics will say, no, but you can jump out. No, not the way it works. Remain in me, abide in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I was discipling a student back in the 80s. Over, he lived over on Rock Street. And I'd go to his house every week and we were studying through the book of John. And we got to that word abide. He was a big old tall guy named Jeff. And uh, we got to that word abide. He said, I don't know what that means. And I said, well, it just means to abide, you know, in Christ. And I didn't have all these other words to go with it back then. Uh, it, it means to abide in him. And he'll abide. He said, I, I don't get it. He was just very honest. And I said, okay, you still own it for a week. And I'll come back. We'll talk about it more next week. And I did. And I went back in. And the first thing he told me, he said, hey, I get what abide means. And I said, really? What happened? He said, well, I was watching the Discover Channel, and he said it showed a picture of this whale having a baby whale. And it talked about how the baby whale couldn't keep up. It couldn't swim to keep up with the mother. And so what it had to do, it had to just stay close to the mother, and it was carried along in the slipstream. <laughs> That's it. You just stay close. Stay in, stay close, stay away. Stay in the word of God. Stay close to Jesus and stay away from temptation. Stay in and stay close. That's abiding. And we can abide in him with confidence because as you talked about last week, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Again, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain, reside in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruit bearing is a byproduct of being connected to the vine. Abiding in Jesus causes us to be effective and productive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter addressed this. He said, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. And then he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
How many of you want to be effective and productive for Christ in this room? Yes, that's what we do. And then comes the stinger, though. He adds this one in here. But if it, no, go back to that last verse. Yeah, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Bam! If anyone does not, not have these in increasing measure, he is nearsighted and blind, has forgotten, he's been given, forgiven of his past sins. Fruit bearing is a byproduct of being connected to the vine. Verse five, or six. If you, remember, they are believers now whose salvation is secure. Do not remain, reside in me. You are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Here he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is where all the saved are judged. That's where our works are judged. And they pass through the fire. And I'll show you just that in just a minute from the scripture. It's about, it's about communion, not union. It's about fellowship with God and not relationship with him. A lady on our staff told me one day, she said, my husband called me yesterday. And she said, he was filling out a form and he asked me, what color are your eyes? And she said, what do you mean what color are my eyes? We've been married 25 years. In that moment, they still had union, but they didn't have communion. They had relationship, but they didn't have fellowship in that moment. What color are my eyes? There are lots of ladies in this room who are wondering right now. I wonder if he knows the color of my eyes. <laughs> Don't look. Don't look. 1 Corinthians 3. I want you to look at that passage with me. By the grace God has given me, this is talking about that judgment that we're talking about here. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, judgment, the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. So that's why I feel strongly that he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And we should look at this thinking, I don't want to be saved in that way. I want to be fruitful and productive for Christ. I don't want to get, though yet, get, get there yet so as by fire, as the old King James used to say. In verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We love that verse, but it's not about a genie and a lamp. It's, it's not about a magic code. We don't presume God's will. And, and when, I, when all I want, when all I want is God's will and what God wants for me, that's the place where I find peace and contentment. In verse 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to me, my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You want to know God's will for your life? True disciples bear fruit. And the love Jesus has for you is patterned after the love the Father has for him. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this. Now get this. I've told you this so that your joy, so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. God doesn't want you to live a miserable life dreading what tomorrow will bring. Just come what may, just keep living through him. Just spread his joy because you know the hope that he offers in you. Sometimes joy is accompanied by pain and hurt. Just can't be avoided. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane right after he said these words... He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. His agony there in the garden of crushing. That's literally what Gethsemane means, crushing. In that garden of crushing, the agony was so great that God sent an angel to minister to him. And he would know the fate of those disciples throughout their lives. And so he told them the key is this. Remember, I am the vine, the true vine. You're the branches. If you want to have complete joy, remain in me, abide in me, reside in me. And that's how they would have a fruitful, productive life. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, every person sitting in every chair. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will walk these aisles and speak to them, speak to us. Assure us of our faith, Lord. And if we don't know that we know that we know you, help us to drive a stake down because you are everything and we are nothing. Oh, Lord, let us walk with you. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to live in such a way that we express our faith to others, not just by our words, but by the way we live and the actions in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for being the true vine that gives us hope. Well, Fellowship of Abel, if you, if you would like prayer this morning, to my left, to your right, our prayer room is available for you. Our, our prayers at church at this week that your joy may be full and complete, and that we would remain and abide in him as we go from here. We love you so much. We'll see you next week as we continue in our John series. God bless you. See you next week.